You already got a bonus interview with DDP. Now we're giving you a Q&A with Eric himself. You listen to them. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. I'm Maria Menounos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hey there, 83 Weeks fans. Welcome to your show, the show that's just for you, because just like you, we love 83 Weeks, and we are going to be breaking down this episode all about Eric's experience at sea. We got a really cool bonus surprise interview with DDP. Lots of juicy tidbits to talk about there. Not only that, but Eric Bischoff himself will be joining us live via Skype in just a few minutes, and he will be answering your questions. I bet you want to know how to get those to him. Well, if you are joining us in our live chat right now, you're already halfway there. Hello to everybody. Dermot and Matthew and, oh my goodness, RJ. Everybody's hanging out already. Get your questions prepared for Eric. We do this live on YouTube on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time, so please come and hang out and join us. By us, I mean myself and these lovely gentlemen here rocking the uh, classic Mae Young shirt. I, I know it's the May Young Classic. I see what you did is, there. This is a classic May Young Classic shirt because it's old. <laughs> uh, so I'll say hello to a well-dressed Steve Kaufman. Hello. Thank you all for joining us. Conrad uh, just sent me an email of all of Eric's topics through to close to May, and they're exciting. Oh, boy. We got the inside scoop here at After 83 Weeks. And also bringing us probably some uh, some good insider dish is an independent wrestler who felt the need to bust open his sweatshirt and show off his Guns and Roses t-shirt. Well, you're t-shirt. talking about his t-shirt. I thought you were going to talk about my t-shirt. I just wanted to be ready Please welcome you. 90s rock fan and independent wrestler. I don't know. George Hermosa. He's Eight, here. 80s rock band. Mid, mid to late 80s, early 90s. If they had hair, he was there. <laughs> You yeah, like I that? Do, yeah. I'm reacting to that. I love Cinderella. That was a good band. All right. Well, everybody, so happy that you all have joined us. We do have much to discuss with this really cool that came out of nowhere interview with DDP. Like shock. Oh my gosh! All of a sudden, we're listening to an interview. With DDP. Actually, I suppose everybody who was on the cruise <laughs> knew that this happened. And there were some great questions from those folks there. Uh, were you guys, you know, shocked to, to hear this, to get this little tidbit? I was a little shocked because I wasn't expecting it. Uh, even, like, for the people on the cruise, I'm sure they probably thought they were getting this exclusive interview that isn't going to be aired. So I'm sure they thought it was cool. But, yeah, it's always cool to hear that kind of atmosphere as far as, like, them being on the cruise. We always talked about, like, oh, what, so what did you do on the cruise? Now we know this is one thing they did on the cruise. Like one of the few things that get released from the cruise, because I think it is, it isn't like the exclusivity is fun, but I think you can tell from the interview that they didn't necessarily think it'll ever get aired. Right. They're like, we'll record it, we'll have mm-hmm. it. If, if it's only a half hour, maybe we maybe we'll never air it. Maybe we'll air it as a bonus, tack it on to another episode. Who knows? My thought, and I have no, I have no inside knowledge. My thought is that they would have done a Q and A episode this week and then tacked these thirty minutes onto the end of it, mm-hmm. similar to how they did Best of. Yeah, well, plans change. It sounded like Conrad was actually supposed to be on the ship and do an episode of 83 Weeks, possibly, uh, with Eric that turned into this interview. So either way, uh, we win. Yeah. It was fun. Either way, it was fun. I mean, it's always good to to revisit some of the best stuff, too. Like, we kind of forget, like, oh, hey, I, I do remember they talked about that stuff. Oh, I do remember that story. You know, obviously, the one over the, the Vader firing and some of the AWA yeah. stuff. So it, it was always fun to kind of go back because, yeah. It's hard to go back and listen to every episode. The me that didn't make start making clips until episode twenty four loves to scrub through a best of episode to see if someone did my job. To see <laughs> to see if they have a clip from an episode before episode twenty four. I'm like, I never released that. 
You didn't. Uh, well, and I wouldn't worry about that. Although I assume that this really cool story about DDP and Eric's kind of first few encounters together, <laughs> a uh, dive bar brawl, them having to be pulled apart twice, I mean, to be a fly on that wall. But I'm guessing that's going to be one of your popular clips. Cause it is. I haven't heard that before. I haven't heard that either. Me either. I think that's... That's going to be first up probably tomorrow. Wow. Some major inside scoop. And, you know, DDP uh, has said a lot of stuff over the years. <laughs> I myself sat in a three-hour-long interview with him once. That was fantastic. But I think for him to tell a story that fans haven't heard before is probably pretty rare because he tells a lot of stories. Yeah. And it was good, too, like hearing them praise like Michael Hayes because I know Michael Hayes has a big personality. I know there's some... Uh, controversial things that went on with Michael Hayes a couple years ago, um, but just kind of knowing that aside from all that, like he's still a genius. I like I like to hear those kind of things too. Like oh, like it's good to know that there's more than just the flamboyance and the freebird kind of style. Where it's like oh, he actually knows you know what he's talking about. So I, I did like that part as well. Yeah, he was always nice to me. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, guys. Well, you already have your awesome questions rolling in. Teddy Corbin just grabbed some blue cheese stuffed olives and he's ready to hang out with us. So, uh, yeah, sit down with whatever you like and get ready because we will be back in just a few minutes with Eric Bischoff. Stay tuned. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. We are back on After 83 Weeks with the host of 83 Weeks, Eric Bischoff. Hey, Eric. Good evening, everybody, from the ice cold tundra of Minnetonka, Minnesota. Oh! Is there snow on the ground right now? Yeah, there's about two feet out there. And, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's not that I'm, you know, a snow virgin or anything like that. I've <laughs> right. been here, done this before, but uh, it's been a while and it, kind of a shock to come from Clearwater Beach, Florida to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So uh, getting used to it, though. Digging it. Everyone always makes those jokes about your blood thinning when you go to live in like a warmer climate and then you go back to the cold and it seems even colder. I don't know the science behind that, but I'm guessing, yeah, that you're freezing your butt off. I don't. Uh, I don't think there's any science behind that at all. The only thing that thins my blood is Tito's vodka, and I'm not doing any of that right now. <laughs> cool. Well, we want to thank you for coming to hang out with us, even though you are on the road, and hope you're having a fun time with the fam. Uh, before we get rolling, I'm dying to ask you about something that I noticed last week on the show. We didn't quite get to. Have you always had that huge tattoo on your wrist, Eric? On my wrist? Your yeah. Right wrist. I've always had that tattoo. Is there one on well, your I, other wrist now as well? Yeah, that. well, that's not really on my wrist. <laughs> that's kind of on my forearm. Is that new? Both sides. Uh, yeah, it's pretty new. That is badass. <laughs> that is freaking cool. Everyone who's joined us uh, via Apple Podcasts, you want to make sure you tune in to the YouTube version here and check out Eric's new tattoo. You mentioned it, too, on the show, and um, we didn't get any more details. When did this come around? What does it mean? Why, why a tattoo now? 
Well, I've I've got a couple other tattoos. Um, you know, they're not as obvious. I've got one on my right shoulder. Um, pretty pretty large. Covers the majority of my 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 right uh, shoulder. It's a big cross. Very colorful. Uh, I got that I think in '96. Uh, is when I got that, and I've got another one, an even larger one on my left shoulder. Uh, that is, uh, there was there was a very famous tattoo artist by the name of Sailor Jerry, and in World War II, Sailor Jerry did a lot of the kind of the the, the nautical themed or U.S. Navy themed tattoos of the era, and, and they have actually got a really good. I think it's rum now. You get mm. Sailor Jerry oh, yeah. rum out there. The spice but, rum. And, yeah, it's a spice rum. But uh, Sailor Jerry was a really famous tattoo artist, and I've, I've got a a version of a Sailor Jerry tattoo that's got a really um, half dressed woman, half naked woman, wrapped kind of in a kind of sort of in a flag against a red, white, and blue kind of backdrop, and it's uh, it, across the top of it. It says "Born on the Fourth of July." Well, the image is actually of Mrs. B. I took the the original uh-huh. Sailor Sailor Jerry image. And I took a picture of my wife, her face, not her body, and uh, the tattoo artist kind of used, superimposed my wife's face on the overall tattoo. So it's a very vintage tattoo, but modernized with a picture of my wife. And Mrs. B was born on the Fourth of July, so that's uh, how that all came together. And I had, the, I've that's had that so one cool. since probably, probably two. thousand and one, maybe. I've had that one for a while. This one on my forearm. I've been thinking about it for a long time, and I don't want to take up the whole show with this, but I easily (laughs) could. Please, Eric, this is enthralling. (laughs) Enthralling. Um, When I was a little kid growing up in Detroit, I hated school. I just – I couldn't focus. Um, I I, I just – I couldn't. The only only class I really enjoyed was history for for whatever reason. But I would sit in the classroom and the, at the back of the class and all day long – now, this you know, is like in a fifth grade. So this is before you start changing classes and moving from teacher to teacher, right? You're in the same room all freaking day. And I would literally look out the window and imagine that I was on a ship and sailing around the world. That's how I got through the day without losing my you know little eight-year-old mind. And so I've always been fascinated with – the idea of sailing and, and ships and traveling around the world. And, and as I got older, I realized that a lot of the things that have driven me as just as a person is a sense of adventure and a, a, kind of the what if, you know, what if I was sailing around? What if I was sailing to China to, to discover the silk trade route? Or what if I was sailing to India to discover the spice, you know, trade route and things like that? And it's always that sense of what if and dreaming and traveling that has always driven me uh, since the time I was a little kid. So I kind of took that thing that's always been a part of me and my strong interest in three-mast ships. I love the design and the lines of old kind of three-mast sailing ships. So I just decided this past winter, uh, actually when we were in Florida, to just get a couple really cool tattoos, and that's what I did. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that was very interesting. Thank you for sharing that with us, Eric. And, uh, you know, we didn't know that realize you were such a badass. Not a badass at all. It's not that hard to get a tattoo anymore. <laughs> Tattoos have changed over the years. It used to be painful and bloody and messy, and this was actually uh, not that big a deal. I mean, there's a couple gentlemen at the table here that have zero between them, so I'm just saying. 
Uh, so you know. <laughs> so I know. Well, in honor of your uh, fairly new tattoo, Eric, we are going to play a quick round of what we're calling Who's Tattoo? So we're going to give you some details on some former WCW wrestlers, Inc. And this, you is see- a, this isn't like the Dave Batista thing, is it? No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. No, okay. no, no we're actually going to play a game with tattoos. We're not, we're not winding up to ask you about Dave Batista's dick. Oh, right. no, I didn't even know that that uh, was a possibility Honestly, in, I think it's in the so realm annoying. of questioning. I think it's so annoying, but whatever. I guess <laughs> no. fans like it. I, 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 I don't know. I I just keep seeing it. I keep, it keeps popping up on my Twitter feed every <laughs> once in a while. It's like, how the fuck am I supposed to know? What is this? Uh, no, we're going to play a legit round of Who's Tattoos. All right. So uh, uh, a dickless version of a fun game. I'm going to start with this one. So this wrestler is actually doesn't have any tattoos himself, but is himself the most tattooed wrestler like on fans. By far, even more than people would maybe think this is Ric Flair. But who do you think is the most tattooed wrestler face on fans? Mm, Andre the Giant. Ooh, that's a good guess. Uh, the me... obey because you know you see that obey kind of image. I've been seeing it around mm-hmm. L.A. I always I saw it around L.A. the first time probably fifteen years ago, and it's been everywhere. It, it makes for a really good tattoo. So I think the Andre the Giant obey image might might be it. Well, you might actually be right because uh, <laughs> my research on this may be a, a tiny bit shady. But uh, can we have one more clue about this wrestler for Eric? Uh well, no, I'm kind of curious which incarnation of this wrestler is tattooed. Oh, you know I mean? that's a good one. And are you sure it's not uh, Brandon Lee that they're tattooed on themselves? Ah, good clues. Mm, well, then I would guess Sting. You got it, Eric. <laughs> By my good shady, clue there, my good shady clue. Google uh, research, <laughs> yeah. he is well, the most tattooed Sting wrestler. Sting tattoos. Oh, I think that's the crow. <laughs> Because I do like that. I, was, I think that was a great movie. All right, guys. Hit him up with another one. Uh, this guy's got, I want to say, like a deck of cards on his arm. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's a... There's a page. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Well, um, wow, thank who? you for trying to have so much fun with this story. Well, I mean, I, I would try because I have a picture of him. I'm like, I can't tell. So, this <laughs> 1996 Pro Wrestling Illustrator's Wrestler of the Year has multiple tattoos, including a very large animal on their left bicep. <laughs> That's everyone. Mm. <laughs> I, I I mean the deck of cards. I want to say Diamond Dale's page. Not this one. This person also has a three camera sitcom on Netflix com- debuting in April. Hmm. Now Eric, <laughs> this person, yes, Paul White. You got it, Paul White. <laughs> now now you're com- um, curious about that network, the Netflix news. Huh? Rookie of the year and wrestler of the year '96. All right. Well, that wasn't quite as fun as I had anticipated uh, earlier today, but we loved it. And, Eric, we are, of course, now going to turn to some of our live fans uh, to get some questions going for you. And while they get those all ready, I think the, the guys here have one. I, I, I was kind of, I'm was i so curious because I love that DDP story about uh, you uh, doing the commentary and you're like, do you remember who I am based on your guys' history? And I know there was a little bit of talk about the, the Ric Flair fight. Do you kind of look back and are you like surprised? that you're actually friends with some of these guys that you pretty much practically went to battle with? Mm, 
Not really. It's been that way. You know, I grew up in Detroit. Uh, fighting was a part of the culture, you know, from the time I was a little kid all throughout, you know. By the time I got to Minnesota, I, you know, I went to Minnetonka Senior High School, so the closest thing you got to a fight was a snowball fight <laughs> um, <laughs> or a water balloon fight. But, you know, it was it's just part of the way I grew up, and I, I never took it personally. I know that sounds really weird, mm-hmm. but, you know, I – I got, you know, I got into fist fights with some of my closest friends. So, no, it doesn't seem that weird to me at all. You know, I think the, the the thing about it is, you know, in my case, you know, with with Diamond Dale's page, you know, the reason we became such good friends, look, we're both emotional people. We're both, you know, well, we both had a couple cocktails in us too. That <laughs> um, but you know, when you get together and say, hey, sorry, I was an ass, and, you know, you shake hands, it kind of makes you better friends than if you were just kind of casual acquaintances because you kind of go through something, and for whatever in whatever weird kind of a way, it, it kind of brings you a little bit closer. Because, I mean, you're a better person than me because I remember in junior high, a guy spilled my chocolate milk, and I'm still, like, if I see him on the street, I'll be like, who the hell, are, who, screw you, guy. You know, but, there, there's, a couple, there's a couple of people like that in my life, mm-hmm. you know, that go back to, you know, growing up as a kid in Detroit. There's a kid, there's somebody walking around, if he's still alive, by the name of Bob Cayley. So if I saw him on the street right now, I'd kick, I'd kick his teeth wow. down his throat. Just, <laughs> and then I could be friends with him yeah. afterwards. I'd have no problem. <laughs> and uh, another kid by the name of Paul Donahue. So there's two people walking around. Oh, wow. Hopefully they're still around. Awesome. If I ever saw him, I'd, I'd just, just to close the book on it, you know, <laughs> just, just to kind of put the period at the end of the sentence and kick their ass and then go out and have a beer and i'd be fine with that and then we could talk about old times and then real quick did you ever like uh talk to rick flair maybe like a decade later be like oh remember that one time that we you know you kind of tried to fight me or whatever or was it never no you again? know this it, no you know what it, it, it we never brought it up again to answer your question and it was such a weird I, you know i don't want to go into too much detail of the story it's a long story and, and look anybody that knows rick really well, especially back then. Rick Rick is a very emotional person. And he was going through a lot. And he was carrying some baggage around and there was a lot of things going on in his life at, at that at that point when he and I got into that altercation backstage at Raw. And the week before that, we were out having beers together. You know, Rick and myself and Arn were out having a great time. We were talking about old times. It's like no big deal. And then, you know, fast forward a week later, all of a sudden, some sudden something that I did like five years earlier, eight years earlier, he started thinking about it and somebody wound him up about it and he decided he had to, you know, man up and do something about it. It was just a weird situation. And about a month later, you know, we were in Europe together and I walked into the bar and I saw Rick and I said, well, I'm not going to avoid him. You know, it's, it is what it is. If we're going to do it again, we'll do it again. And I went up and we had a couple of beers and we've been close friends ever since. <laughs> and we've never brought it up. I know what was going on. There's no need. I don't have to ask any questions. I don't need to make Rick feel uncomfortable. I, I know the story. I know what was on his mind and I know why he did it. And I'm cool with it. Didn't, look, didn't draw any blood. Didn't get a bruise. <laughs> I went out. I went out twelve minutes later and was on live TV, and nobody knew the difference. So it wasn't really that big a deal. It was confusing as hell, <laughs> but it, it wasn't that big a deal. Well, they're giving you major props in the chat uh, in regards to your fight with DDP. Teddy Corbin said, "Credit to Eric for fighting a guy a foot taller than him. Dude has marbles." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I. <laughs> You know, and again, this is going to sound like tough guy bragging bullshit, and it's not because I'm 64 years old, and those days are so far in my rearview mirror, it's not even funny. But, you know, I, I, 
I fought as a, I was a professional kickboxer. I wrestled in high school and college. I wrestled Greco and freestyle after college or after, excuse me, after high school. And while I was in college, I, I was a golden gloves boxer. I, I bounced in downtown Chicago for a couple of years in the early eighties and fought with a lot of guys, a lot bigger than me and a lot bigger than DDP was. So, you know, I've never been intimidated by tall, skinny guys with bird legs. So, <laughs> at, at the, at the, at that time, DDP was not a threat. <laughs> no, he got a little bigger and a little stronger later on. But, you know, in the moment, you know, and again, I was a lot younger then. I was probably in my 30s and full of myself and probably slightly overconfident. Uh, but, you know, once you get to once I used to get to the point where it was time to go, I didn't really care if I won or I lost. When we talk, when we talk about DDP, we talk a lot about gimmicks. And Matt Trussell in the chat wants to know, was Doink the Clown a good or a bad gimmick? You know, I guess good or bad gimmicks are in the eye of the beholder. If you're a you know six-year-old kid and you thought it was funny and cool and you like goofy clowns, then it was a great gimmick. If you're probably 25 years old and looking for something a little more stimulating, then you probably thought, yeah, it's fun once and prefer not to see it again. I kind of fell into the latter category. But look, just it, it, it's funny. Conrad and I dropped a, a podcast today. We recorded one this morning, uh, Wednesday morning, and we talked about, you know, gimmicks and different styles and different characters. And I've said this a million times. I'm not going to repeat it too much. But, you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all for great wrestling characters. Everybody likes something a little bit different. Some people like goofy comedy kind of cartoonish stuff. And I, I, make, I make it sound derisive, and I don't mean to. Some people like that highly animated, comedic kind of caricature almost type of a character. Uh, I, I don't. But other people do. So if I'm producing wrestling, I'm not producing for me. I'm producing for the audience. And there's probably a place for that type of a character. And, and just like there's a place for a very serious type of, you know, John Moxley type of character, if you will. Um, so, it, it, you know, you can't just because I like one thing doesn't mean it's great. And because I don't like something doesn't mean it's bad. You just kind of kind of it's like going to a buffet, man. Get the prime rib, get the seafood, get the salad bar, get the cupcakes, get all that good stuff. <laughs> Is there any part of those really gimmicky gimmicks that you were, anyone that you were a sucker for, even though it wasn't your thing, or maybe even as a kid? Van Albright in the chat wants to know, what's your favorite gimmick? You know, of all times, and I think as I got older, I kind of got away from my interest in gimmick type of characters, you know, by the time I was in my mid to late teens, I was already kind of gravitating towards, you know, Ray Stevens, for example, you know, he was not a gimmick, you know, and he had a little bit of a Western thing, kind of a cowboy, you know, a little bit of a gimmick, but it wasn't over the top. Nick Bockwinkle was my all time favorite. Uh, Larry, the ax Hennig was another one. Chrissy, you're your dad may remember him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but Larry the Axe Hennig was another one of my favorite characters. Uh, but um, He's not taking his time. We, we lost Eric for a brief moment there. Okay. We're calling him back. <laughs> he he, may, no, he, he doesn't even really realize that we, uh, that we lost him. And uh, he'll probably be back in just one second. So you guys keep your questions going. Dermot O. Aramahoyne wants to know, is there a box of gimmicks? <laughs> there is no box of gimmicks. <laughs> there is no box of gimmicks. While we work on Eric getting Eric back, uh, what he was saying was so interesting. I mean, when we kick this off with uh, a very personal story about the tattoos, that's pretty cool. Makes me want to get one. 
Or two. Or seven. Or oh. <laughs> I've always wanted. Or, I don't know what's holding me back, but um, I don't. I don't want to. My body has gone through enough changes that I don't ever. I don't ever think I could just pick a spot and be like that. That, that tattoo will look how it intended. <laughs> no, let alone in, like, in another ten years. Let alone my tastes change <laughs> so quickly that I'm like I'm not gonna. There's no possibility I'm going to like that in 10 years. Well, live chat, stay with us. Uh, David Troop, who wants us to mention Brutus Beefcake and see Eric freak out, stand by, because uh, I'm sure he'll be back in just a minute. But we'll go back to this episode of 83 Weeks. Something that um, was so interesting that DDP said kind of towards the beginning of his interview was he was talking about taking the handsome Dallas Page gimmick and how he thought he was paying homage, but really he was just stealing the gimmick. Is there a line there? Like, what is the threshold I between think, I think paying the, homage and stealing I something? I think the line is time. Ah. Because, like, for example, the biggest, arguably, I know Eric will think so, arguably the biggest superstar of all time, he will openly admit that Hulk Hogan was a direct ripoff of Superstar Billy Graham. Right. And that wasn't too far uh, removed from Superstar Billy Graham's, you know, success. Jesse Ventura, same thing. Scott Steiner, same thing, like... I mean, it's so it's not a bad thing. I, I think it's one of those glass half empty, glass half full, where you can look at it half full and say paying homage. You can look at it half empty, empty, saying completely copying. It's just the way you look at it. To be honest with you, yeah, I think it, as he mentioned with Eye of the Beholder, I think there's something to be said about if it gets over and draws money, it's ultimately wrestling, right? And, mm-hmm. the, and then I think like if you get, and I think coming from an improv background, I'm very attuned to the idea of if you go out there and then they laugh. If you go out there and no one wrote it and then they laugh, it's improv. And it's funny because, like, especially not just when it comes to pro wrestling, and you know this, Steve, a lot more, um, how many times do we see re- reboots happen? And then we're like, wait, they just had a movie regarding that person, like, two, three years ago. Like, right. how many Spider-Mans have we seen in the last, like, five years Too with different, different Peter Parkers? They're all fantastic. It's just a matter of how they deliver it. Mm-hmm. The MCU Spider-Man is the Spider-Man. I will. I will. Tobey Maguire on... was a great Spider-Man too. Uh, we'll what? Talk, we'll talk later. That's a different That's, podcast. That is completely different. <laughs> Andrew Garfield was great as well. <laughs> it absolutely is, but kind of in the same realm of uh, what we're already discussing. This thing about gimmicks is it came up again. Dusty Rhodes and the polka dot thing, and how a lot of people believe that that was a rib, but he was able to get it over. Has Dusty ever spoken on that? Did he ever? In terms of like, like, did he say, "Yeah, I think they were trying to rib me, but look how good I am." I think. <laughs> I, I think. I think indirectly, he said not not those exact words, but very indirectly, he's pretty much said exactly what that is. You know, like for example, I remember during his Hall he's of Fame speech. It. Yeah, I, I remember during his Hall of Fame speech, he thought about you know getting over and whatever. And I remember he he took out a polka dot handkerchief, like just <laughs> kind of right. acknowledging, like you know, I got it over. You know, yeah. I also I think. It wouldn't be in Dusty's style to bury them for giving him that gimmick, whether or not he thinks it was or wasn't a rib. Mm-hmm. Everyone around him will be the first to tell you, oh, that was a complete rib. That was a rib on him. Yeah. That was a rib on him and where he came from. Oh, like it, had to, it, it had to be because like you look at you look at the way uh, Afri- uh, Akeem the African Dream was a rib. You look at uh, giving uh, the name Virgil a rib. Like, oh, you think you're just going to actually have Dusty Rhodes on the roster and not give him something that... I mean, not that you can make fun of, but like also like something that let's see if he can get if he's that great. Let's see if he can, let's see if he can get it over, you know. And he did because he's Dusty Rhodes. Well, Erica in the chat wants to start this debate with Eric. Who is the best general manager, Eric Bischoff or Paul Heyman? Between the two, yeah, Eric Bischoff, no really? question. 
Yeah. See, we have this undying loyalty because of Paul, and I'm not, I yeah. admit, but this is just for great debate. Like, I, don't, I, I think a lot of people have this undying loyalty to Paul Heyman because he's Paul Heyman, but when you really break it down, like, the effectiveness as a general manager and nothing more, mm-hmm. it's going to be Eric Bischoff. I think the role is tricky. I think the role of, yes. I think the on screen role of general manager as it existed then and as it exists now, which is, I don't want to say stuffed shirt, but on screen performer who performs what is written for you. Mm-hmm. I think he's, I, th- I think Eric Bischoff is one of the best, if not the best, to have ever done that on the main stage. I would also argue Paul Heyman as more or less a writer performer. Because when he was general manager of SmackDown, he was also head writer of SmackDown. And I think. It's apples and oranges in that way that mm-hmm. his he came off genuine because he was genuinely running that show, right. whereas Eric came off genuine because he knew how to act like he was running a whole TV but, but show. The, but the fact that people actually thought people can look back and say, "Wait, you weren't actually you were just a performer. You were just talent." Mm. Like people are legit surprised that like he didn't have a bigger role as when he was general manager. No, right. he was just a general manager, but everybody thought he was more. That's how good he was in his role. So. I think without question, it's Eric Bischoff. Well, he dropped some tidbits about when he was the executive director of SmackDown Live mm-hmm. on this episode as well. He talked about um, taking him a good like five to six weeks at WWE just to meet everyone, mm-hmm. um, and about how he was working from nine or ten a.m. to ten o'clock at night. I thought that was interesting because when he left, there was so much kind of chatter and reports about um, you know Eric. He wasn't doing much, and he was just sitting back and, and this and that. And you hear it from his point of view. It's like it takes at least that long to just get acclimated into the culture. And I think what's also is very interesting that I latched on to one little tidbit that he said is that he wasn't getting involved with creative at all until the very last month. So I'm wondering if that is essentially where it kind of went wrong for him or um, if that's where the role kind of stopped being a good fit. Uh, maybe we will be able to ask him <laughs> in just a moment. So he and I have been texting. He asked where we went. I said we lost him. He said, what's up? I said, we called and got a voicemail. And I asked him if he's trying to call us. He said, no answer. So there's something up with the Skype right now. All right. We're trying to call him. He's trying to call us. All right. Well, please let Mr. Bischoff know that we appreciated his time this evening and he can go enjoy the rest of it with his family. And uh, we hope to see him next week. Um, okay. Only if Ryan says so. <laughs> oh, okay. But in the meantime. <laughs> if it's 5.50, I think. So, I who, so Is who's he trying? Down, who's, yeah. who's down to go to the Jericho Cruise next year, then? Because apparently I'm, it was like the place to be. I was pretty upset about missing it this year. Um, I'm kind of a notorious. There he is. Hey, there he is. Welcome back, Eric. So sorry what about that. <laughs> what happened? Well, we just wanted to leave a nice voice message for Mrs. B and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Take a take a short break. It's funny because we were asking like what your favorite gimmick was, and then it was this pause, and we were like, "Wow, he's really thinking about it." Not knowing that, oh wait, I don't think he's <laughs> on the line anymore. What 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 was the last thing you heard me say? Because uh, we asked you what your favorite gimmick was, and there was like a pause, and you talked about like you know subjective, and you talk about you know things like that, and then it was just like a pause, like wow, he's really thinking about, it. he's very contemplating. Okay, this. all right, I'll speed this up. <laughs> when I was younger. When I was younger, there was a wrestler here in Minneapolis. Um, I was like, like 15, 16. It was Ivan Putsky, the, mm. the Polish hammer. And he was like got a big beer belly. He would come out. And he was wearing like a trucker hat and a white beater T-shirt <laughs> and like cut off jean shorts and construction boots. And he you know, didn't cut a promo. He was just, just like a really colorful character. I liked him. But I transitioned out of the kind of gimmick character thing really early and gravitated towards guys like Ray Stevens, 
who was, you know, he had a little bit of a cowboy thing going on because he was a, he was a real bulldogger. Um, if you don't know what bulldogging is, you can Google it. <laughs> um, but he was, he was a legit bulldogger and you know, Nick Bockwinkle, you know, was, was one of my favorites and Larry, the, the ax and those types of characters were my favorite and they were not really gimmicky characters. Cool. <laughs> Uh, well, the chat roll, we want to get one more in here because they are talking about something that went down on AEW tonight. Before the show, they honored uh, a couple of wrestlers that they're calling legends, one of whom was Missy Hyatt. So Missy Hyatt was honored essentially before the AEW show tonight in front of the live crowd. Any reaction to that the chat roll wants to know? Mm, no, I mean, good for her, <laughs> you know. No, I'm not being a smart ass. I mean, good for her. I'm happy for her. You know, she's she was around the business for a long time, and she's been out of the limelight for a long time. And I think anytime you get an opportunity to be recognized by your peers in any way, shape, or form, it's always kind of a nice thing. So, you know, I, I've got nothing bad to say about Missy. I've pretty much been there, done that, so. Good All right, her. the high road for Eric Bischoff. And the, one more question. This weekend, we're seeing the return of the XFL. Uh, like, What are your thoughts of the XFL? Was there rumblings that you heard you know, when you were there a couple months ago? And you know, what do you think is going to happen? Like, do you think Vince is going to lean back a little bit on WWE roles and put toward more XFL? Like, What's your thoughts of the overall XFL that's happening this upcoming weekend? Well, there was two questions rolled into that Tootsie Roll, so I'll start with the first one. <laughs> the first question was, you know, the, the XFL was not really a subject that came up. Well, I, you know, I was only there for a couple months, four months, and uh, the XFL, everybody was aware of it, obviously, but it was really its own kind of universe that had nothing to do with the day-to-day operations that I was exposed to. So I didn't really hear much chatter about it other than a very general kind of awareness with, with would be the best way to characterize that in terms of what do I think is going to happen? I have no idea. You know, Vince is not a guy that telegraphs much. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've heard, um, he hasn't been around TVs as much as, as he normally was. And one can only assume that, you know, as he's getting closer to the launch of XFL, his, his schedule is probably incredibly crazy right now, but in terms of how he's going to manage his time and, you know, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I I would only be speculating, and I try not to do that. Well, something else that's getting a revival this upcoming weekend is the GI Bro, uh, <laughs> who Booker T is going to bring out at his um, what's his the reality of wrestling? Yeah, at his at his reality of wrestling show this weekend. And that sounds like fun, right? I mean, are you going to go on Monday morning and make sure you check out a picture or a little video of that? <laughs> Uh, sure, why not? You know, Booker's, such a, Booker's a cool guy. I, I dig Booker a lot. We're pretty good friends. I always enjoy seeing him whenever we cross paths. I was with him on the Jericho cruise, and, and he's just, I don't know. I ran into him and Shermel both, and there are certain people that when you come into contact with them and you cross paths with them, you just, it just puts you in a good mood. And Booker's one of those guys, and so is Shermel. They're just two of the most genuine fun people. I've never been around Booker when he was in a bad mood. I'm sure that he has been. Um, but whenever I'm around him, you know, we did a we did an NWO podcast with Jericho. Uh, myself, Jericho, Booker, DDP, and Scott Hall. And just, I, I mean, I, it was only a one-hour podcast, and I could have sat up there for six hours and just had a blast doing it, hearing stories and 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 watching Booker laugh. Have you ever been around Booker when he's just breaks out into a like a belly laugh? <laughs> if you haven't, you owe it to yourself because he's just such a fun guy. He'll, he'll crack you up. 
That's cool. Well, we wish that we could keep you for six hours, Eric. But uh, go ahead and enjoy your time with your family. Thank you so much for calling in. And uh, yes, we could talk to you for six hours. Trust me. The question. <laughs> One of these days, you, we'll do that. Happen. We'll do like we'll we'll do like a marathon, like an old Jerry Lewis marathon, where I we can do it. like twenty four hours of Ask Eric Anything on YouTube. I'd do that. Name the cha- name the charity. I love it. Name the charity. We'll have some run-ins. Name the time. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> All right. Well, we will get on planning that. Hell with the charity. I want to make some money. <laughs> I'm going to to the Eric Bischoff Foundation. No, no. We'll make the we'll make the ad revenue, and then they'll donate from the link. It's a whole thing. Steve Goffman right, knows we'll how to figure it out. But yeah, let's let's do that. Let's, okay. Let's pl- I'll do it. I'll do a 24-hour marathon. Nobody's ever done that before, have they? Probably not. No, and I'm pretty sure. And the live chat is going wild over it. So we will make that happen. All right. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Tell everybody we're going to do it. Done. Thank you so much, Eric. Uh, have fun. We'll see you soon. Stay warm. Peace, brothers and sister. <laughs> Adios. Oh, wow. Holy crap. That is going to be amazing. I guess we got a marathon uh, show to plan out one of these days, right? Oh, my God. That makes me so excited. (laughs) We are doing it. Well, guys, I'm sure you all out there probably have some cool ideas of what we could do during that 24-hour period of time, what you'd like to see Eric do live for 24 hours. And uh, you can always reach out to us and hit us up. So where would they do that at, Steve? Uh, They can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F. M-A-N-N, I am very involved in the wrestling Twitter, including a 24-hour marathon with Eric Bischoff. I will tweet about that when it happens. And you can follow me at G-Hermosa, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A, on Twitter. Guys, please check me out on the Wrestling Inc. Daily Podcast on Apple Podcasts. And uh, hit me up anytime at Christy Reports. You all have still great questions coming in. Save them for next week. Join us again at 5 p.m. Pacific time right here on the 83 Weeks channel. Thanks for watching. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menounos, would like to thank destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only, do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.